Hi, welcome to Lighthouse Vineyard Church. Thank you for joining us. If you would like to know more about us, feel free to visit us online at lighthousevineyard.church. Enjoy the message. Hey guys, how's it going? Good seeing everyone here today. Hey, I really appreciate that you guys come because I don't know if you guys know this, but at seven o'clock on Sunday mornings, I actually preached this message like I did this morning to an empty crowd, and it's, it's just not very life-giving. I just want you to know that. Nobody laughs at any of my jokes. You know, there's not one tear shed through the entire service. Unless I'm feeling really bad about the message, then there might be a little bit of a, a tear. But no, I appreciate you guys coming out. You, there's a lot of things you could be doing on a Sunday morning, and I really believe that God honors your attendance here as well. So uh, to get started, I want to ask the question, and by the way, my name is Clint Schwartz. I'm the lead pastor here. Uh, who likes to be scared? How many of you like, like the haunted houses, the scary movies, you know, those kinds of things? You guys are weird. Just so you know, all four of you. The rest of you are like me. I hate to be scared. I really do not like it. Um, now, it might be because of how I grew up, though. You guys, I've shared a little bit about my childhood. I'll share a little bit more, and you guys can continue to pray for me. Um, so I was the youngest, I still am, the youngest of three boys. And uh, on the weekends, my brother Doug always knew when the scary shows were on. And so he would tell us, he's my older brother, he would say, hey, so tonight after mom and dad go to bed, we're going to sneak downstairs and we're going to watch our little 13-inch black and white TV, and we're going to get really, really scared. And I fell for it every time. And so we would sneak down after mom and dad went to bed. I, and they must be really heavy sleepers. I don't know. But we would watch this TV, and uh, we watched shows like this. Anybody remember any of these? Creature feature? It's awful. Awful. And that was, now listen to this. That's the name of a horror show which aired on Saturday nights in the South Bend metro area on WSJV-TV Channel 28 from 1968 till 1977. In 1977, I was eight years old. So I was sneaking down as a five, six, seven, eight-year-old watching these scary shows with my brothers. I think they just enjoyed watching me get scared. I'm, I'm guessing. How about this one? Shock Theater. Anyone remember Shock Theater? A few heads nodding there. So Shock Theater is a package of 52 pre-1948 classic horror films. Now, they were in black and white, but we didn't notice the difference because we had a black and white TV um, from Universal, Universal Studios. Included uh, movies like Dracula, Frankenstein, The Mummy, The Invisible Man, and The Wolfman. So we watched those. Um, how about this? Anyone remember this guy? Who is it? Who is it? The creature from the Black Lagoon. Boy, I'm not alone in this hole. That's why none of us like to be scared, you know, because we went through it as a child. That thing always scared me. But uh, you can take that off because that's still really scary to me. But I do remember one night we were downstairs, had the TV on, sitting there in the living room, and I'm watching this show. And it's the scariest movie I've ever seen. It's a movie about a little voodoo doll which comes to life 
and is like a little witch doctor and starts attacking people. And I remember sitting, I'm again, I don't know, seven, eight years old, sitting there watching this the whole time, not even blinking, you know. And then at one point, I remember looking going, where are my brothers? My two older brothers were back behind the couch hiding, left me there just to be scared to death. And I had nightmares. And, and that, was, that was a traumatic one. <laughs> Don't ever watch one if they show you a little voodoo doll that comes to life. I still don't like little dolls. I'm always like, you know, you look at them, the eyes going to open or not? You know the one doll that you kind of tip it and its eyes open and close? I don't like it. Don't like it. So yeah, I, I think I'm traumatized as a child. I don't like to be scared. Um, I don't like to be, you know, like startled either, you know, like that. My, my uncles on the Schwartz side, they would go around and just scare each other for fun, you know, like everybody scream and stuff. Um, so when I was... Uh, first meeting Rose, I mean, just like the first time I went to her house, me and uh, Michael and Anna, my two kids, and then we had John Michael, Ben and Becca, her three kids. We, we all got together because I was going to fix her computer. I was going to fix her computer. <laughs> yes. We're going to have to edit that out somehow <laughs> of the recording. But anyway, so we're there. And I am. I'm actually picking up her computer to fix it. And uh, my son, Michael, uh, I think he was just trying to impress, like, the kids and stuff. He hid around the corner, and I came out, and he scared me. He went, ah, like that. And I went, ah, and punched him. <laughs> my 10-year-old son, ah, you know. Now, Rose saw the whole thing. She should have known better at that point, put a halt on this whole relationship thing. Because that's, I don't know, that's just how I respond. If, so don't ever scare me. I'm just telling you now, don't ever scare me. Um, now, the reality, I'm talking about fear. I'm talking about fear today. Because we all have this emotion of fear, and God gave it to us for a reason. He did. It's there to protect us there to protect us. It invokes the fight or flight instinct. You guys remember that from like seventh grade science? The fight or flight instinct. So if something endangers our lives, fear kicks in, adrenaline runs through our veins, and we're now ready to fight our way out, or we're ready to run really, really fast, you know, to escape. It's a natural instinct for all of us in dangerous situations. But in life today, and Man, I've, I've talked to so many people, even this past week. There are many people who are living daily in fear. Daily in fear. Not a fear for their lives, but it's, it's a real sense of fear nonetheless. There's the fear of people's opinions. You know, if I, if I post this picture of myself on Facebook, are people going to like it? Or are they going to make some comment about me? You know, a, a, not such a nice comment. So we have fear of people's opinions. We have fear of relationships. You know, where we've been close to people in the past, but, but boy, we got hurt. And so I don't know if I want to be close to anyone again. I've tried that. I've tried that. We have the fear of failure, where we've 
you know, went through life with doing really well and then just failed miserably. And so we, we, we learn from that and we go, I'm never going to try that again. You know, so, and then we, and we don't step out and do the things that maybe God is asking us to do. And I know this one is really prevalent in our next generation, Gen Z and the millennials. It's, it's a fear of the future. There's so many people today that are, that are looking at the future and saying, what, what is this world going to look like by the time I am ready to have a family? And what kind of world are my kids going to grow up in? This fear has many people living in a state of anxiety or even depression. It's not a good place to be. Now, fear was also pretty common uh, throughout the Bible. If you guys remember the apostle Peter, he said, boy, Jesus, I will die with you. I mean, anything, wherever you go, I will go with you. And when Jesus was arrested, they said, hey, are you, aren't you one of his disciples? Aren't you with him? And out of fear, fear for his life, Peter's like, no, I, I never knew the man. I don't know what you're talking about. Because he was, he was afraid. And then we had Abraham, who was married to a very pretty woman. Sarah. But because she was pretty, and, and when he went to Egypt, he was afraid for his life. He thought, they're going to they're gonna kill me, you know, just to take my wife. So I'm going to, I'm going to tell everyone, Sarah, that you're my sister, okay? Because he was afraid. He was afraid. And then we had the entire Israelite army. Man, they were terrified of this one man, this one soldier. Now, he was a giant, Goliath, but they would be lined up, and then when Goliath would come out, they would retreat. They were all afraid of this one soldier. Now, in that story, there was one person who was not afraid, and he was a little shepherd boy named David, and we're going to talk about him a little bit later this morning. But God's will for us is to not live in fear. That's God's will for us. 2 Timothy 1 verse 7 says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. God's spirit within us brings power, love, and self-discipline. And when the prophet Isaiah was prophesying about Israel's redemption, he says this, Strengthen the feeble hands. Steady the knees that give way. Say to those with fearful hearts, be strong and do not fear. Because he understands. I mean, we can be, have shaky hands when we're afraid or, or feeble. What do you say? We have knees that need to be steady because we're so afraid or fearful heart. But God's statement to us is be strong. Do not fear. Now, in, uh, later on in chapter 41... He says, so do not fear, do not be dismayed. God's will for each one of us, every one of us, is to not live in fear. Today's scripture, I believe, gives us some insights on how we can do that. We're going to be in Psalm chapter 23. You can turn there if you would like. This is the series that we're in. We've been in it for a few weeks already. And uh, 
The series title is Psalm 23, Discovering How God Cares for Us. And every week we're studying a different verse of uh, this chapter. And by the way, we're reading the chapter together, you know, every week. And I, and I was thinking about that today. And I thought, you know, one of these verses might be what you need to hear today. It, ha- it may have nothing to do with this message. But we're going to read all six verses because I believe that there is power in God's Word. And, uh, and it, just, it just does not come back void. So we're going to read it again. We'll read it out loud. Um, we're going to actually be focused on verse 4, but let's read all six verses together. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So today we're going to focus on verse 4, which says, Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. So today's message is titled, The Shepherd, Psalm 23, The Shepherd Who Protects Me. Who protects me, looks out for me. And we're going to talk about that. But let me pray, and then I'll give you a couple of points that you can fill in on your handout. So Father, we come to you right now, and we recognize that apprehension, anxiety, fear is very, very prevalent in our society today. Lord, we need you. We need you in a real way today. So God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would minister to our hearts and minds and that your, your word would just speak into our souls today. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. So you can fill this in on your handout. Point number one, in this life, we should not fear because God is with us. God is with us. Verse four starts out, even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil for you are with me. For you are with me. So to understand the context of this verse, again, we have to go back to David was a shepherd. So David is speaking in in a sense that people understand because they understood sheep and shepherds. So I have to explain this a little bit. It was good for me to do a little research on it as well. So the sheep would be down in the lowlands during the winter months. And then when the spring would hit and the snow would start to melt off of the mountains, uh, the, up, the highlands would become really good grazing grounds. It would have green grass and it would be a great place for the sheep to spend their time during the summer. So the shepherds would have to lead the sheep, and that was last week's message. If you missed it, he was talking about, you know, the shepherd guides me and he leads me. So the shepherds would lead the sheep up to the highlands, and the way to get there was through the valleys. 
it was through the valleys. And it's not the kind of valley where you think about like the sound of music, where it's just big open meadow. I mean, that's kind of like the highlands, you know, you got to get up there. Now we're talking about ravines, deep, kind of dark ravines where the river is cutting through. And they would follow those paths because that tended to be not quite as steep of a journey. But it also, of course, if you're walking by a river, there was water available and there would also be some fresh grass along the river for you know, nutrients along the way. But as they're walking, think of ravines, you know, like cliffs on both sides. So the sun would rise, but you're down here in the bottom of this valley and you're in the shadow. Okay, it's dark. Now the sun might for a few hours come across over the top and you'd have sunlight coming down. But most of the day, you're walking in the dark, you know, walking in the shadow, okay? And even during that time, it's a fearful time, not just because of the darkness, but because there are wolves and bears and coyotes and cougars who are on the sides of those cliffs and those rocks, and they're just waiting, just waiting for the sheep to go by, all right? So it's a scary place. It's a scary place. Now, in our lives, think about this for a second. There are valleys that we have to walk through, right? I mean, most of us have been through a dark time, a dark season in our life. Might have been the death of a loved one. I know those have been dark times for me. When someone that I I love and I love spending time with, and and they're no longer going to be there anymore. And that can be a dark season for us. It could be that you lost a job, a job that you loved. Or you're in a, a time of being unemployed. You know, those are dark seasons. You could have had a relationship failure, gone through a divorce, or, or maybe you're just at odds with your family and just not getting along any longer. It could also be a scary medical diagnosis. You know, when you go through that and you're like, man, life is not going to be the same. So life can be cold and dark and scary. At times, just like those deep valleys that the shepherds had to walk through. But it's at those times that we can recognize that God is with us. God is with us. And he's leading us through those dark valleys. Now, I don't know about you, but if I start to enter into a dark valley, I want to turn around and go back, right? It looks, it's scary. I don't want to go there. But in life, many times, we don't have that choice. We're in that dark valley because something's happened around us or to us, and we're in it. But here's the good news. Scripture says he leads us through the dark valleys. He leads us through them. He doesn't leave us in them. And it's in those dark valleys when God is leading us that I can sense his comfort. I can sense his presence. The um, last part of this verse talks about his rod and his staff. They comfort me. We're going to talk about the rod in a little bit. But the staff, many times, is that that shepherd's crook. You kind of know what I'm talking about, that kind of a stick. And and I was reading on this, and they said that many times the the shepherd will just kind of push on the sheep. As they're walking along, they'll just kind of tap them as they're going. And that's a comfort to the sheep. Because the sheep know, 
The shepherd's with me. The shepherd's with me. And because we can know that God is with us, we can have that same kind of comfort as we're walking through those dark valleys. It reminded me of this poem that many of you have heard before called Footprints in the Sand. My mom had this on a plaque. Uh, I can see the table where she had it in my mind. And uh, this has really helped me through some of my darkest times. I just want to read it. Some of you, this might be the first time you've heard it. But I just want to read this to you. It says, last night I had a dream. I dreamed I was walking along the beach with the Lord. Across the sky flashed scenes from my life. For each scene, I noticed two sets of footprints in the sand. One belonged to me, the other to the Lord. After the last scene of my life flashed before me, I looked back at the footprints in the sand. I noticed that at many times along the path of my life, especially at the very lowest and saddest times, there was only one set of footprints. This really troubled me, so I asked the Lord about it. Lord, you said once I decided to follow you, you'd walk with me all the way. But I noticed that during the saddest and most troublesome times of my life, there was only one set of footprints. I don't understand why. When I needed you the most, you would leave me. The Lord replied, my son, my precious child, I love you, and I would never leave you. During your times of suffering, when you could, o- you could only see one set of footprints, it was then that I carried you. And I love that, because there's so much truth to that. That in our darkest times, when we can't even take that next step, God is with us. God is with us, and he's, he's helping us. He's helping us move through those dark valleys, because he knows that there is something good on the other side of that dark valley. The highlands are up there, but it's going to come with a struggle. But he is there for us. Hebrews 13, 5 and 6 says, God has said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. So we say with confidence, the Lord is my helper, I will not be afraid. I will not be afraid. Then I want to go back to a couple of those scriptures that I started with because there is more to the scripture, and I want to read that. In Isaiah 35, it says, Strengthen the feeble hands, steady the knees that give way. Say to those with fearful hearts, Be strong and do not fear. Here we go. Your God will come. He will come with vengeance, with divine retribution. He will come to save you. That's why he could say, do not fear, because our God will save the day. And then in verse, uh, chapter 41, verse 10, it says, so do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. God says, do not be afraid because I'm with you. You are not alone. Now, I said this last week. I just went on a little tangent about the fact that we are not alone. And and I just wanted to go there again because I feel like there's some people that need to hear this one more time. You are not alone. God is with you. If you have accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you are a child of God, and you are not alone. Never will he leave you. Never will he forsake you. And we can walk without fear because God is with us. And by the way, 
God's people are here as well. I mean, look around. We are here for each one of you. Now, that may mean for some of you that you have to let us in. You know what I mean? And it can be a vulnerable place to be because we've been hurt in the past or somebody has disappointed us or betrayed our trust. Well, God is here with us, but he, he also sends each one of us to us as flesh and bones so that we can be there for each other. So I just want to encourage you, if you feel alone, today may be the day where you start letting people in. And a good place to start, by the way, on that is to come up for prayer after service. Let somebody know what's going on. Let somebody know that deep valley, that dark valley that you're in, and let them pray for you. Man, we were not meant to do this life alone. Man, and so many of us are doing that. We're like, no, I can, I can get through this. I don't need to tell anybody. I don't need to go up for prayer. That's not the way God wired us. He wired us for fellowship. He wired us for community. And so when we are in those dark times of our life, man, know that God is with us and know that God has sent his people there to help us. So if you're in one of those today, I would encourage you after service, come up. Let somebody know about it. And let us pray for you. Let us pray for you. All right, that's point number one. In this life, we should not fear because God is with us. Here's point number two. In this life, we should not fear because he carries a really big stick. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will, know, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they come for me. So I want to talk about this. I have a rod with me. Okay. This is similar to what the shepherds would carry from the, the book, The Way of the Shepherd by Dr. Kevin Lehman. He says, the rod is known as an iwisi in Africa, a knob carry in Ireland, and a shebet in the Middle East. No matter what name it's called, it's made the same way, about 18 inches long, smooth to the grip, heavily weighted on one end by a large knot or ball. It's a fierce weapon. It has great sailing ability, like you can throw it, and in the hands of a skilled shepherd, this can be a lethal weapon. So today, most shepherds carry a gun, right, to protect their sheep. But back in King David's day, when, when he was a shepherd, he carried something like this. It was a rod. And so when the lion or the bear would attack, he would just pull out this rod and he would go after it. So if they're trying to carry off a sheep, you can just see him coming with this. He gets within striking distance and he would throw this thing so hard and so accurate that it could kill an animal on the first hit, on the first blow. Now, David actually understood this personally, um, and he talked about it in 1 Samuel chapter 17, right before David killed Goliath, because David was the one person in the Israelite army, and he wasn't even in the army, who was not afraid of Goliath. But right before he killed him, he had a conversation with King Saul. He says, David said to Saul, let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. 
Your servant will go and fight him. Saul replied, you are not able to go out against this Philistine and fight him. You're only a young man, and he has been a warrior from his youth. But David said to Saul, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it, struck it, and rescued the sheep from its mouth. And when it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, and I struck it, and I killed it. You can imagine that. David was out in those dark valleys by himself, protecting his sheep, and a lion would come in, and man, he went after it. And that, that was the lion's last day alive here on earth. That was the bear's last day alive on this earth. Because David went after it. He went after it. Verse 36, your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine, he's just, he's just talking trash now. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. Saul said to David, go and the Lord be with you. David knew it wasn't because of his own strength that he killed the lion and the bear. It was because God was with him. And God was looking out for him. And God was protecting him. And the same thing happened later that afternoon when David killed Goliath. Romans 8.31 says, What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? And I like to say that almost like laughing. If, if God is for us, who? Who could be against us? Who could even try to come against us when God is for us? It reminded me of the story of uh, Elisha and the king of Aram. And I love this because this, this gives you kind of a, a word picture of the strength of God. So King Aram is at war with Israel. And so he sets up these ambushes against Israel. And every time he would set up an ambush, Elisha would go to the king of Israel and say, hey, there's an ambush over there. Go around. And so King Aram would be like, what? The armies are going around us. And then he'd set up another ambush and God would tell Elisha, Elisha would go tell the king of Israel, say, there's an ambush over there. You got to go around. And so pretty soon... The king of Aram goes to all of his men and says, okay, who's the traitor here? Who's telling everybody or who's telling the king of Israel about our ambushes? And they said, it's not us, king. It's that prophet, Elisha. He hears what you whisper in your bedroom. And so the king of Aram says, well, I can take care of that. One man, I can take care of that. And so in the middle of the night, he goes out to where Elisha and his servant are in, the, in that city, and he surrounds the city with his army. Is he just, just going to take him out? Going to kill this one man? In 2 Kings chapter 6, it says, When the servant of the man of God got up and went out early in the next morning, an army with horses and chariots had surrounded the city. Here's the servant. He goes, Oh no, my Lord, what shall we do? I mean, the servant's afraid, and he should be, right? Elisha says, don't be afraid. The prophet answered, 
those who are with us are more than those who are with them. I'm sure the servant kind of looks around. (laughs) It's just us two. What are you talking about? And Elisha prayed, open his eyes, Lord, so that he may see. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes, and he looked and saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. Can you imagine that? So as the enemy came down toward him, Elisha prayed to the Lord, strike this army with blindness. So he struck them with blindness as Elisha had asked. Elisha could have said anything, kill them all, and they would have been gone. He says, strike them with blindness. (laughs) The whole army is, is blind. Elisha goes out to them and says, come this way. And he leads them to the army of Israel. And the Israelite army sees all this, this blind uh, enemy army. And he says, well, you want us to kill him? What do you want us to do? He goes, nah, let's just do a feast. And they did. They threw this big feast and there was this treaty that was put in place. And, and there was no more fighting. I saw this on Facebook this week. It says, when people say you and what army... And we have the God of the universe on our side. And he is carrying a pretty big stick. And he has a whole army at our disposal. If God is for us, who shall be against us? See, God gives us some some really big sticks as well. He gives us the stick of, of prayer and fasting. He gives us the stick of the word of God, which when we declare it, the enemy flees. And he gives us the Holy Spirit, which can give us direction and insight so we can avoid the traps of the enemy. See, with those weapons, with God on our side, we cannot lose. We cannot lose. So you can write this in. My victory is guaranteed when I'm on God's team. My victory is guaranteed when I'm on God's team. I'm going to invite the worship team to come back up here. We're going to sing a a closing song. This song plays right into this message today. And I know, know what your situation is, but I know that there are many of us today who are dealing with difficult situations and there's an area of our life that we're just we can be just a little bit afraid we're not sure what is going to happen or we know what's happening and we don't like it but today I do believe that there is power in our declaration in our words God spoke and the universe was created it's by our mouth that we declare that Jesus is Lord of our lives There is power in declaration. So today, whatever your situation might be, I I want to encourage you, grab a hold of the words of this song, which are taken from Scripture. Grab a hold of them and declare them over your situation. Declare them over the enemy. Declare them over whatever dark valley you might be in. And let's take a stand and just declare together, if God is for us, man, really, 
Who can be against us? Let's all stand. Father, we come to you and we thank you for picking us, God. We thank you for picking us. Well, that's it for today's message. We hope we helped you know God more intimately. If you feel our ministry is helping you spiritually, feel free to find out more about us at lighthouseofvineyard.church. Thank you for being part of our family and we will see you next time.